I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm hoping that your storm there, uh, where you are, doesn't affect you mid podcast. But uh, we'll brace ourselves for that. Um, hopefully, hopefully things are good and everyone stays safe and there's no power outages. But um, rocking on to the Genesis Invitational here, Matt. Um, First of all, I guess we can't really go into this week without recapping last. Good week for us, picks-wise. Like, in terms of betting, I had three players in the top eight, and by midway through Sunday, I felt like I couldn't win because the guard kind of looked terrible and Burns wasn't making the kind of short putts. But I think from a selection process, it was, it was pretty solid. Yeah, actually, and I had Spieth. I thought Spieth was going to win yeah. going into Sunday because he was, like, 10 under, but he was, like, right there, and he started to play really well, and... Just couldn't get anything going. So, um, yeah, it was a little disappointing, but is what it is. Is it temptation just to try and find the guy that's 100 to 1 every week now and just and just play the field? Like, I think people are going to do that now, but you, eventually water's going to find its level. Yeah, I'm not tempted at all to do it, but I never really am. Um, and I, I'm the one who keeps saying over and over again stupidly that it's not going to happen this week. And I, I don't think it's going to happen this week again. I don't think uh, Chase Johnson is going to win this no, week. But. No. I, I think with Nick Taylor, though, like when you look at it, second here last year, winner since then. Like he's 100 to 1 by proxy of who Nick Taylor is, like in terms of actual winning ability, in terms of course knowledge, in terms of hitting the ball well, he'd, he'd gain strokes in four straight events like actually it's not that far-fetched it just seems it because of his name yeah and no it isn't far-fetched and the way he's been playing is is obviously great um the Hoffman one was pretty surprising though yeah 100 percent. like but then even then right like i'm this big advocate of, of like let's look at individual rounds and hidden rounds and actually look at it and he said oh you know like i'd, I'd been playing like this for a while and i thought you know fuck you charlie like you definitely haven't like you're you're literally lying through your teeth and then you actually look through what he's done and um you know he was out for a long time but at bermuda he opened with a 65 finished 45th and he finished 13th for the rsm with 62 65 weekend um final round 65 at the sony uh he was 10th after two rounds at tory and then finished his second at you know the course that he absolutely loved so actually on the face of it it's not like it's surprising to us because he's 401 and way down the field and not done anything for ages but there signs. Yeah, yeah. And was his? Did he have a great course history here? Yeah, he loves he loves Phoenix, right? Like he. Oh, here. Um, oh no, no, Phoenix. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like he's been an ambassador for WM for like X amount of years, and I can't remember exactly like his actual course form, but I'm sure he's at least played there every year and, and knows what he's doing. So not a massive kind of surprise in the end, but. I wouldn't have called it. Like, you could have given me the show a hundred times last week and I wouldn't have mentioned Charlie Hoffman, so I'm not kind of, like, put out by it. But I think it's one of those kind of reminders, Matt, that, like, there's only 80, what, 81 or 82 players in the field this week. You should probably just give everyone a look. Like, you can forget Chase Johnson, like, that's fine. And you can probably forget Nick Dunlap on the first visit and things like that. But I think everyone else should kind of just be given, even if it's just a quick, right, there's nothing there, cast to the side, like, if it's 80 players, just work your way through them and, and just see if there's these kind of individual rounds recently. Yeah, yeah. On that note, I guess that's what we'll start doing. So, Scotty Scheffler, 11-5, Rory McIlroy, 11-2, Xander Schauffele, 10-1, Victor Hovland, 10. Um, I guess the question isn't who do you like up there, but who would you be most inclined to play? I'd be most inclined to play Rory this week. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be the least popular of the four. If you know, maybe him and him and Hovland, especially with his price, is just being really expensive. Scheffler seems like an auto top seven every week. Um, but I, uh, so I, I'm going to be playing Rory over Scheffler this week. I actually, I bet a head-to-head Rory over Scheffler plus 140, which I thought was pretty good. Um, I think Rory has a great week this week. I don't know if he wins or not, but I think he plays really well. And I think Scheffler is, I mean, I think he's due for a little bit of regression with the ball striking numbers. Um, and this seems like it's crazy to say this because it, it really is insane. But 
he's finished seventh and ninth since he's been Scotty Scheffler here. And to me, that's that's like bad course history. Yeah. That's like his, his floor, you know? Yeah, like it's, it's actually seventh and twelfth as well. Like yeah. actually missed cut thirty of twenty of seventh twelfth. Like he's he's had one top ten here, which, you know, like on the face of I will start by saying like the rest of the podcast, I'm going to talk about the fact that it's important to have played here a couple of times and really got a feel for it. So the fact that you finished seventh on his kind of fourth visit is fine. But like, yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones with Sheffield, like unless you're absolutely adamant he's going to win, you don't really need to play him. Whereas Rory, I guess, is that a slight bit of drop off with $300 cheaper that you can kind of put him in lineup. So I do get that. I think it's Hovland for me. I think it's like out of sight, out of mind for one week. People think there's something wrong with Victor Hovland. There's obviously rumours circulating that he's going to go to live because he had one week off. And he sort of pointed to the fact that he's frustrated about his game, but he finished second to end 2023 at the DP World Tour Championship. Um, and then he was fine. Like 22nd of the century, he was actually fifth going into the weekend and 58th of Pebble where he opened up and he was inside the top 15 after round one. So no, it's not brilliant, but I don't think there's anything to be alarmed by. And his course history is good. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good leverage spot for him. I don't think I think I agree. People are, are seeing it the way that you outlined, and course history is great. I bet him here every year so far that he's played it in his career, but I can't this year because he's just too short. But yeah, um, yeah he's. I've always thought he's going to win this event, so it wouldn't shock me at all to see him come back and play well this week. Obviously, the person we haven't talked about there is Shoffley. Is that just we just don't want to do it? I mean, looking at his finishes after. A disappointing week he seems to always bounce back pretty well and this is a course that he likes and has been good at so i'm not completely ruling him out but at the, as the third most expensive player i'm not going to do it i'm sure some xander <laughs> lovers out there will but he's that's just not my style so i think at the moment like his floor's really high here like he's he's obviously six for six in made cuts and you know not finished outside the top 33 but he's never finished higher than ninth either like it that to me suggests it's a comfortable course for shuffle without suggesting he's going to go and win it anytime soon yeah, I, I think so too. And he's been potting horribly so far this year. And I know that could turn around, but it just yeah. he's like almost last in the field. But I think also like yes, you're only waiting for um you know, putting to come back, but that's a big thing to come back at kind of ten to one, do you know what I mean? Like it's it or whatever he is, like sixteen to one or whatever. Um and ten one in the price range. That's a big old gamble to take. So when I think about the kind of ownership on him and, and kind of having to take a shot at him, at, you know, when you're showing it here, 18%, like I can't, I can't really get on board with that. So the next question, I guess, Matt, is how important is this course for course history versus others on the PJ Tour? I think it's really important. I think it's probably one of the most. Um, it seems like it's a course that people have seen a couple of times before, prior to winning. Yeah. You probably have that information offhand, though, more than I do. Uh, yeah, 12 of the last 12 winners have played here two-plus times before winning. I knew it. I knew you would know. <laughs> uh, at least two-plus, 12 of the last 12, at least two times? Yeah. Good. Well, let's get rid of that Aberg shock. I mean, looking at it here, it's looking like people 25 26% owned. I'm yeah. seeing a bunch of people um, all over him, betting him wise. I mean, I just think, again, I don't want to be the guy who um, – what is it? What do you say? Piss in the coffee or something? Yeah. But something. <laughs> it it just seems like it's a little too much, too fast. In which he's the trajectory where he's that type of talent that could do that, sure. But at this ownership, this price, um, it just seems like a little bit too much, too fast. Well, look, Cam Young second every round behind Wacky Neiman on his debut. Um, you know, I would say arguably lesser players have played well on their debut here, but generally speaking, like Xander was ninth. I mean, I wouldn't say, I would consider him pretty similar skill level. Adam Svensson ninth last year, like it, it can happen, but I almost feel like it's a, it's a top ten play. Obviously, Victor fifth and fourth his first two starts, but even the players that have come through here and been, you know, really comfortable around it, like Tony Finau has got a couple of second place finishes and maybe should have won, but he starts his career here fifty fifth, miscut, miscut. You go to Max Homer, who's been brilliant here for. You know, the past four years, miscut, miscut, 37. Like, it just takes these players some time. And, and the real indicator, Matt, is I'm pretty sure, unless this has changed at any point over the last few years, this is the, the tournament where Tigers played the most amount of times without winning. So if the greatest of all time can't win round here, it kind of... And look, everyone appoints to James Hahn and John Merrick and, and people like that. But this is a 
a more elite field, 80 players or whatever it is. And I just, I just think it's, I don't, I, I can't rule Louvier out on anything at the moment because every time I kind of think he's going to struggle, he doesn't. But I have no real intention to dive on. No, I, I'm not going to rule him out. I, I actually really liked him coming into the week. I didn't think he was going to be as popular as he is. I think, I think Matt, like if you're going to bet Aberg this week and you think he's going to win, I think people are going to bet him for the Masters as well. Which is, yeah. which is weird because he's exactly the same price. Um, it's not like you're getting value out of him at the Masters, but the biggest thing. I bet thing 80 is, to 1. Yeah, that's wild. Like, what is he, like 20 to 1 now? Like 20 to yeah, 1. he's not going to win, so that's fine. But Yeah, he won't win. It's a value bet, right? But like, I think, like, and I'll talk about this kind of a player later on, but like, if you're really keen on someone this week, I think you look in the Masters market um, over the next few weeks and kind of place a bet there as well. So, um, another sort of topic of conversation. But, would you buy that correlation while we're on the topic? Yeah, but not from a not from a perspective of like I think it's this really similar golf course that that requires the same thing. I just think it's a a classical test that is kind of they've gone back to for so many years. It takes people like the quirkiness of Riviera matches the quirkiness of Masters. It takes you a couple of years to figure out. And I think I think that's it. Like I think it's those patient players that get rewarded for eventually you know, figuring it out. I think it's in that sense, it's similar as opposed to the actual test itself. Okay, that's good. It's good for a couple of guys I like to see. Good. Let's go into the 9K. So obviously it starts with Max Homer at 9.8. It ends with Jordan Spieth at 9. Can you make a case for every single person in the 9K range? Um, uh, I can't make a case for Homer. I mean... Okay, good. I don't think he's playing well enough. I think no. he already got his win here, which was slightly lucky with that playoff scenario. I just think, um, you know, 9,800 is somebody who's going to win. I don't think he's going to win. I think there's something a little bit off with him. Yeah, not playing well, like not even in the slightest. Like people to look at the course and look fifth, first, tenth and second, like it, it's absolutely fine. And I mean, it's not. It's, it's more than fine. It's incredible, right? But he just looks off. Like I, I thought when he won that Ned Bank, I thought I was really impressed with him going over to the other side of the world and playing so brilliantly, winning it in dominant fashion, and then he's just been pretty awful. Like, okay, the the the, the numbers don't suggest he's been absolutely terrible, but like 14th for the century is pretty much what you'd expect from him. Uh, no better than that. 13th for the Farmers is a good golf course for him, didn't shoot any better than the 69. Goes to Pebble, opens with a 69, and just, you know, puts it in reverse, and then misses a cut at Phoenix last week. Like, it, there, there's nothing about Homer's game where I go, look, he's due. Um, I think you have to sit there and go, yeah, look, Max Homer can turn it at any point. We've seen that in the past. But, you know, 44th and 49th the last two times he made the cut and strokes can approach. Just, he's just not hitting the ball well enough for this part of the season. I actually think it's, yeah, the opposite. I think he's due not to win. I mean, I think he's yeah. won a lot in a short amount of time. Now it's going to go the other way, which is fine. Doesn't mean he's not a great player, but that's the way the professional golf works. And, yeah, I think statistically he's been... It's not as bad as you might think, but I think a lot of it has been the putting. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, look, at he's in his last three um, starts here in the West Coast. He's lost an approach in all three. He's lost off the tee in two of the three. Yeah. Um, putting, he's you know slightly neutral, but he was really good putting at the Farmers. Around the green, he's been good. I just think he's using his knowledge of these greens and green types and um, agronomy of these courses to kind of make his way around, but he's not hitting it great. That's the thing. Like this is this is a comfortable part of the season for him, right? And he's not performing like an elite level. So, I guess the Homer dip, if you like, at the moment is potentially what we saw already from Sam Burns. This is skipping slightly ahead into the 8K range, but like has Sam Burns gone through what we're potentially seeing Homer go through now? Like great players winning bunches, had a dip, and now Burns has come out the other side. Yeah, I think it's exactly what it is. Yeah, like. I think I was having a really tough time of splitting Burns and Fina this week in terms of my main bet, and I took Burns. Um, I just believe he's got a higher upside in winning. But I think let's let's talk about both of them because we're on the subject. Like Fina's ball striking has been really encouraging. Yeah, I, I bet Fina. Um, I've seen him up to like 33, 35 in places, which. Yeah, I've always thought there's a place he could win. I mean, he's hitting it so well. I I always also always like to use farmers as a as a comp to who play weird, well here because sometimes you guys play well at farmers and they're not good the next week and you kind of forget about them. Yeah, 
and I like that he gained seven on, seven on approach at Farmers, um, and then at Pebble he still gained three point two and two point six off the tee. So he's just ball. He's just hitting it so well. He's putting horrifically. But he's putting horrifically, Matt. But like, not horrifically to the point of like a it's out of character. Like it's just what Finau's been for his career, right? Like he's just had these struggles, and we know that he goes through purple patches of of gaining strokes putting. I mean, he did it at the end of last season um, and the start of this one. And then it, I just, look, the difference is, is that he wins when he puts really, really well. Um, the concern at the start of the season, I think, was he wasn't hitting it as well. And then all of a sudden he just seems to have turned it on. I think once all the kind of when, you, you know, we spoke right at the start of the season, like once all the kind of live stuff died down and he fully turned his attention to this, like, I think he's just, he's doing everything I want Tony Finau to do. Like if he's ball striking it, I can wait for the putter. Um, and especially in a golf course like this. I love it. He's not crazy popular either. Um, it's just a nice kind of a sweet spot. I, I, I always think every year you're probably going to get Finau way too high owned at Riviera and everyone betting. I'm not seeing it as much this week, which I like. I think he's just he's just not the shiny new thing anymore. I mean, well, not even shiny new thing, like the shiny thing of, oh, well, we know Finau's an elite ball striker who doesn't quite get the putter going, but eventually he'll just figure it out. Like, I don't think people, I think people see the, you know, the Cam Youngs and the Sam Burns and the Wyndhams and, and the Tagalas and think, oh, I'll just take a chance on any one of those rather than taking it on Finau right now over the years, I guess. I think it's yeah, a bit yeah. of Finau fatigue um, in some respects, which is good for us guys that like Finau. Obviously, I've skipped over a lot of the people in the 9Ks there. Let's just very quickly yes or no them. Colin Morikawa. I still think something's not something's a little bit off. Wouldn't shock me if he played well. I think he loves his golf course. I just think there's still something slightly off. Yeah, I'm I'm not keen. Uh, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, I I always love Cantlay, um, and I think he might sneakily kind of be really great this week. So I think I think that's more narrative based though. And like in my opinion, it's more narrative based as opposed to anything we can actually pin our like hat to. Right? Like there's nothing to suggest Patrick Cantlay's suddenly going to be good this week. It's not like he's he's been struggling in one department. It's actually getting slightly better. Like he's been losing strokes on approach has been fairly consistent every week. He's been losing strokes the last couple of weeks and off, off the tee. And like, it's not like his putting is suddenly going to bail him out. So there is something fundamentally wrong with Cantley's game to start the season. The difference is when there's something fundamentally wrong with Patrick Cantley, he still finished 11th and 12th and things like that. So um, there, there's obviously a low floor and people like, the, you know, the bookies don't want to take kind of chances on him. But there's nothing I can say about Cantley other than he's due a big week. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. He he did gain almost eight strokes putting at LACC at last year's U.S. Open, which I think, um, you know, could be a similar type of of putting test as we see this week. But yeah, there's there's nothing that sh- that shows it's coming. I do think it is coming, um, yeah. but I agree, there's nothing really that screams that at all. Like I think like JT like t- returning to form was based on his ball striking coming back and just looking really comfortable and confident and things like that. Whereas Cantley would just have to turn it on. Like, I think it was a bit more of a gradual build with JT, and that might just be a feeling as opposed to anything. But, like, I think I think he kind of worked his way through his game and, and suddenly built his kind of T-screen game back to what we know it is, and, and that wasn't the case with Canley at the moment. Everyone no. else somewhere. But. No, I, I wonder when it will come back, though. I don't I don't know. I think this, because this typically is his best stretch, and I don't know where he's going to If he doesn't do it this part of the season, like you, you almost kind of give up on Cantlay a bit, which is wild going into kind of major season, but um, I guess he can just pick it up this week and we suddenly stop having the conversation. Yeah, so I'm not going to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me. I kind of have a feeling he might play well, but I don't, I'm don't. i not going to play him because, like we said, I don't think there's much reason to. A. Bergen, Thomas, yes. That's who people are going to play. Um, I'm definitely going Thomas over A. Berg. Uh, especially at slightly lower ownership, looks like, although I'm sure Thomas could definitely get up there. Um, he's relatively cheap for the way he's playing. I mean, now he's, what, third on the betting board, and he's 10th yeah. on the DraftKings board. If you had one pick that you had to start your lineup with, is it Justin Thomas? Yeah, I think I think he wins. I just, yeah. you know, how popular he is and how obvious it seems, all that stuff doesn't really matter when it comes down to it. I think he's really ready to win it's, he's been showing that i just think he does i just think he wins i do i think he's got a really good chance i, I couldn't get there on, on the betting board the number went shorter but um i do understand it we talked about fee now speed no no cool um let's not go one by one in the 8k range but your 
willing to forgive Thigala a tough weekend. Yeah, I wasn't on him last week, so all I see when I look at him is a great finish and statistically incredible. I mean, look at what he did um, last week. He gained 5.6 on approach, 2.6 off the tee. Uh, he's been putting it great. He's actually second in the field behind Nick Taylor in this West Coast swing and strokes gained putting, huh. uh, only on these West Coast courses. So he loves putting on this surface. He missed a short one that everybody saw, but yeah. in general, he gained a lot of strokes putting. On approach, he was in, uh, I think he was second in the field on approach or sec- second or third. Um, also, we saw Homa win Fortnite and then that later that year go and win Riv, which I think he could do too. So I, I love everything about him this week. Um, I think he it's a it's a great spot for him to win. Look, I, I went with Thigala last week thinking it was gonna a good bounce back from kind of struggling at the farmers when people thought he would play well and it and it did kind of work out that way, right? But even the 5.6 on approach that's so good should have been better. I mean, I don't actually have the numbers of how well, I probably can find the numbers of how poorly he hit the ball on on the final two rounds, but it felt like he just completely lost his game on the Sunday. Um, and I feel like hit these irons going in was probably trending to be the best of the week until he just kind of lost it on the on the final round. Yeah, it, it was a lot round one and two. I mean, he was six under Thursday, seven under round two, and then two and two. Yeah, so he actually just had one bad iron round. The, the round four, he actually lost strokes. He was 40th in the field, but it was 17th, fourth, and 10th the first three rounds. So, um, you know, solid for three rounds. It's it's such a weird thing with Thigala. I believe so much in him, and I believe so much in the outside of Thigala. I just was really disappointed with how he finished. On yeah, team. typically, this is what I've been thinking with him. It's like, I, I think a great player is going to win this week, and I, I think typically with all these other players, if Ron was in the field and Bryson and all these other guys, yeah, I just think the tour isn't as strong right now, and I think now he's like, not the 20th best player, now he's like the 8th best player, and like it changes things. Did we say this about Burns last week? Like he suddenly went from being like best of the rest to in that elite category. And I think yeah. now Thigala kind of fills that void that Burns was in, right? And we're talking about both players being 87 and 8600. Like I believe more in Burns at the moment in this current state, just from what I've seen in the final rounds. But again, he's blown opportunities. It's not like, you know, he, he blew the opportunity of the Amex. So it's, I can't just forgive one and not the other. But um, I just edged Burns slightly. And I think just for the fact that he's played here more was kind of beneficial, I think. Yeah, both were on my short list, and I had to cross off Burns, but I like him almost just as much. Yeah. Um, eight five down to eight. You've kind of got you start with Cameron Young, finish with Sung J M. Who are the guys you're playing in that range? I like Cam Young. I, th- I I know I'm not alone on that. I think he's going to play pretty well. He's just that, that's a, that's a change for you. Sorry to yeah, you, but like that's not that like I think it's worth flagging, and that's not something that you would normally say. No. I don't, but the, what I liked about, I was off him all last year because I think the hype went too far, but now I think it's like what Regress. it should be. Yeah. People were betting him at all the majors. People are saying he's going to be the next big thing and all. I don't think that's who he is. I think he's maybe the fifth, like between the 15th and 20th best player. His price range is now right in DraftKings. His betting odds now seem just about right in this field. So I think he's it's fine. He's, he's being properly rated. Um, and then, but he gained four strokes off the tee last week, which to me is a flash that, he could be returning to that form because when he's great, he's really dominant off the tee. And that's what made him so good to begin with. Like when you API last year, 4.6 off the tee, that's when he kind of was at his best. He was the, he was 20th here last year, but two years ago, like you mentioned when he was going against Neiman, he was right up there in multiple rounds. I I actually bet him first round leader. I wanted some exposure to him and I didn't bet him. So I thought that may be a good way. Yeah. I don't mind that. I think that's probably more realistic. I can definitely see him having the best round of the week and then not winning. Um, that's not surprising Cam Young. Like we know he struggles to win. But, like, I agree with you that I think – I always think there's just someone else that, for some reason, people want to be on. And, and I keep likening – and I'll talk about this one later on in the podcast with who I have come full circle on. But um, I, I think there's definitely an overreaction to everyone was balls deep on Cameron Young, too much so – and then just no one, like, I mean, it's not no one was to blame, like he's 16% owned or whatever, but like in comparison to 8,500 if he was that last year, there'd be a massive clamour for him, especially after the second. Um, so, yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. I've I've gone with the duo. They're going to be pretty popular in this range of Clark and Scott. Um, that's more of a betting thing. Um, I'll start with Clark because it's a little bit of a different kind of case. I just think with Clark, 
one, he was just way too big at Pebble. I think, I think that's fair to establish that he was just a, you know, he was 100 to 1 that week, and that was just wrong. Um, big overreaction to a couple of bad weeks. Is he's, I still think he's potentially value at the, at the price he is now, the 40, 45 to 1, because when you look at kind of what he's, I do genuinely believe, and I still believe it from what we said earlier in the, in the season, that if that Pebble had gone to 72 holes, I don't think he wins. But I kind of like that because I think, you know, he had a stress-free win. He never, you know, he shot his best round, the easiest round of his kind of career, shoots at, sits in the clubhouse, waiting for it to rain. It's not like he's in the heat of the battle to kind of hold on to that leader or anything like that. Um, it's not like he got himself by the head and just hold on with the one-shot, two-shot lead. Like, he just got the win and that was it. Went into Phoenix, started slow, and then shot 65-66 to go into the weekend and content, uh, into the final round of contention, just played terribly. But... That can happen with Wyndham Clark. But the thing I like about him so much here is, one, obviously, it's very hard to ignore the fact he's been 17th, 8th, and 33rd in the three starts. And when he was 17th on debut, he was um, sixth going into the weekend. And when he was eighth, he was, um, you know, sorry, when he was eighth, he was sixth going into the weekend. And when he was 17th, he was second going into the weekend. Like, he's been in contention multiple times here already. and And he's improved as a player. And I love the Quell Hollow kind of correlation of classical tests winning there. Obviously, a major winner. That kind of ilk wins here. So, probably more narrative based with Wyndham Clark than anything else. Um, I just think that the the price is about right to the point where some people won't want to play him because it seems relatively expensive for what we've got around him. But by the same token, fair enough for the value he, that the player he is. Yeah, I think people will think he's cheap. And that's why he's played. I mean, he's continues to show that he's one of the better players on tour, but he's still priced down here. Probably because people like me who don't really believe in him anyway, regardless of what he showed. Yeah. Uh, do you just don't think he's good? It's not that I don't think he's good. I just think it happens when these guys get hot for a stretch and they can win a major, like you want to call Lucas Glover or whoever. You know, I, I, I just can't separate him from that group into the elite group. I guess when we look at like Brian Harmon is massively regressed. Like, do you just think that's coming for Clark? Yeah, I do. Okay, that's fair. Like, I think I'm just willing at this time of year to play him until it's like, I absolutely think it could go and we don't see him contend in the major for a couple of years and the, the middle part of the season is pretty, pretty much a lull. But I just think on this West Coast thing at Riviera, it's a good time to play him and figure out like if he's back to being a real deal or not. Um, Scott. There's not yeah. much to say. Just back to his elite level form. Adam Scott is playing now what Adam Scott has played up for the entirety of his career. He's actually playing probably a heavier schedule than he used to play, but like he, the consistency of just finishing 8th, 5th, 20th, whatever. Like I think the last six events he's played, the worst event, like the worst finish he's had is um, 20th. Like Everything else has been kind of top 10 over in DP World Tour as well um, in Australia. He he's just playing that level of golf where you go, okay, well, Adam Scott's kind of bubbling under the surface. He's going to probably contend pretty seriously some point soon. And Riviera is obviously the place. He's, he's won it twice. One of them was unofficial with the 36 hour win, but a couple of seconds as well. Yeah. I mean, seeing 6.5 strokes on approach on, on the Adam Scott player profile page made me feel something in my pants that I haven't felt in a while. Um, when watching Adam Scott, uh, sometimes I see it when he's, take swings, but never as much as when he he gets all these strokes on approach and his irons look like they're back. And I think the big thing for me is he went away from those Myura, those little blades, this Adam Scott signature ones that I don't I think he was just getting paid a bunch of money to use. And now I think he's using those um the Shrixon, the cavity back bigger ones that Hideki and Brooks are uh, have been using. Um and I think he really likes them and six and a half on approach is the most he's gained in almost two years on approach um he's hitting off the tee really well he also recently switched to a tailor-made driver um for the first time i think in 2024 he started using that so i think he's comfortable now with his equipment um and i think he's you know i think drafting wise despite the ownership i think he's a great play because i just think his floor is really really high gain strokes off the tee for how many events in a row man like just scrolling down at the screen like i can't remember last time he lost strokes off the tee uh, let's go back to what last year's Sony for the last time he got lost strokes off the tee. Generally speaking, even in that lull where he changes equipment, his approach play has been pretty steady and it's now spiking. Um, like he's just one of those players that, okay, that like you could look at the recent years and think oh, it's not been as strong as he has been in the past here and maybe it's getting away from him. But 
this is the Scott that used to play really well here. He's back to that level. And I believe truly that he is going to win soon. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've done that a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't remember him playing that well at Phoenix in the past. I don't remember even playing it. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he played so well last week is a kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, it was, I was really, really surprised. I was like, I hope he plays bad this or mediocre this week and still yeah. show signs so I can get on him uh, at low ownership and low price next week. But that didn't happen, obviously. But, yeah, he just played incredible. Um, I think he is. Yeah, my concern is this. Like, I think he's going to be that guy who's in the final group and, you, like, someone has to go play really great to beat him. And he shoots that minus two, minus three steady and someone goes and beats him. Yeah. So this is the first point I'm going to make. And I made this on the betting show, but obviously we have a different audience for this. If you're betting Adam Scott this week, which I am, I think you seriously look at the 100 to 1 for Augusta. I did that already. Good. Like, Good. well, like, if the correlation is as strong as it appears to be, and, you know, we talked about why it's a correlation, it's more the kind of uniqueness and the stuff like that. Like, I think you have to double down. I don't think you, like, do I honestly believe that Adam Scott wins the Masters in 2024? If you'd have asked me three weeks ago, no, but now he's hitting the ball so well again, I see no reason why he can't get back in major contention. And that seems like a great place for him to do. Yeah, I, I think I definitely did, but I'm going to do it again. Um... For, for a larger amount because I really do I I really could see him winning it um and this is not related but something I always try to find ways to plug I'm, I also bet Sergio 350 to one at the Masters uh based off of what uh he's just the man nah <laughs> um he played well well because he because he I was uh, he was in the playoff with Neiman I was on on Neiman that week and um I was like, if Sergio's hitting it well, we're getting closer to April. Use the guys who are hot, play well there. So I thought maybe, and you you see some two-time kind of random winners there. So I thought 350 was pretty good. Yeah, fair. Like at the end of the day, like we know the struggles of trying to back up wins at Augusta. It it takes a while uh, for a lot of people. I mean, unless your name's Bob Watson, you just win it every other year. But like, it's t- it obviously has taken him a while since he won. I mean, he had that. He won in 2013. Actually played. He's one of the exceptions. That played pretty well as a defending champion. He actually finished 14th the following year, and he makes the cut every year. But the best finish he's had since then is ninth. So I think people will look at that and just kind of look at you know the kind of time has passed him. But he just hasn't been that player for the last two or three years, Matt. That, that felt like he was going to win a major. It was Adam Scott out a major. You should play him. He's a big number, but he never felt like he could do it. And if he plays the way he's playing last week again this week, I think he rolls into you know really feeling confident about his game. And he's got the yeah. chance to do it. Absolutely. So the only person we didn't really touch upon there is Fitz, Tom Kim, and Jason Day. Or Sungjae, I guess. Any Anything on those four guys? I mean, Fitz looks like a good fit in theory, and I think he's had a good finish here before. Yeah. Um, he looks like the, the pivot play. I said that last week, I think, too, and it kind of worked out. But um, I didn't play it myself. here in the past. He actually was second out 54 holes. So he has had that. I... A little bit like what you said about Morikawa, maybe, and and others just missing something. Yeah, I think he's missing something. I think he'll get back to it. But um, yeah, I I can see him playing well here, but I'm not going to do it. Tom Kim's now got Paul Tazori on the back. That's changed. Um, lost his caddy. I think did he lose his caddy to Aberg? Yeah. Yeah. And then Jason Day and Sanjay. Anything on those two guys? No. No. Cool. Let's go into sevens. I think the real question for me this week, um, the ownership being in red kind of puts me off, so it's probably a fairly easy conversation, but Zalatoris at 7-9. Yeah, I was surprised to see him that highly owned. Um, so for me, it's just a big risk of that percentage. Exactly. So then for me, it just becomes a, a spot where I'm going to say, all right, I think he could definitely play well, and I would like to play him if people weren't, but the fact that people are, I'll gladly take the other side and just take my chances. I'd rather bet him. And again, I think yeah. he's another one. Like if, you, if, if you're going to bet him this week and you think he's healthy, bet him more customer now because if he does play well, it's gonna, the number's going to come in. Um, so more of a bet there than a play. Let's talk about the... the let's go down to the 7-5 range, Matt. Um, Favourite plays in this area? 7-5. Um, Hideki, I'm playing Hideki. Feels cheap. Seven four. It does. Hideki, really right? cheap. 
I I think I kind of talked about him last week. Is this the place that we should play him because it was Phoenix? And at one point, I think it felt like he was going to make a bit of a charge and then didn't. I mean, I know the round by round results don't necessarily suggest that. But I'm sure he was a lot closer than the final sort of scores suggest um, midway through the tournament. So I think he's slowly working his way back. And this is a great golf course for him on paper. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I just he's finished 2019 and 2020. I think he was fifth and, or fourth and ninth here in two trips. I've always thought this is a place where he could play well. You got the Masters correlation that you kind of referred to. Uh, yeah. He likes a, a wet, soft golf course, which we saw him take advantage of that rain delay in the 2020 Masters when he won. Yeah. I think it will be a little wet and soft this week. Um, stats aren't great, but I, he's great around the green. I think, uh, you know, if the scoring doesn't get out of control, I could see him contending. And I, I bet the 80 or 70, whatever whatever it is, do I think he's going to win? Probably not. But I just think the price is too short in both drafting and betting. Interestingly, JT Poston missed his first cut for a while last week. Um, and after a really hot start at this golf course, he's missed his last two cuts here. But the body of work when he started, he finished 17th on debut and he was second after round one, fourth after round two. Finished 28th on his uh, second start. He was ninth after round one. Finished 30th, finished 43rd. The, iter- the, the current iteration we've got with JT Post at the moment intrigues me a little bit around here. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he misses every cut for the rest of his life, but you can tell us why you like him. <laughs> I, I, I just think he's, I just think he's solid. I, I think, I think at seven eight, you're getting a really solid player. And I know people will go to, you know, Eric Cole and, and maybe even Bradley and Henley. Obviously, has a decent um, go of things around here on occasions, but um, I just think Poston's solid. And then the next one, Siwoo Kim. Yeah, he makes some sense. The, the concern with him is he's so volatile here, like. He's been very solid for 2024, but he's just so up and down here that it kind of frightens me in this format. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't really been big on Siwoo this year, and I haven't really played him at all. And I think I'm still going to not. The guy who I kind of similarly liked was um, Benny Yan, just because last week it seemed popular and everyone liked him, and his price got steamed up, and then he sucked. And he said he didn't like the no. fans and stuff. Wouldn't really surprise me if this is a week that he, just to piss everybody off, played well again. Yeah, and... You know, plays right into his hands or has a tournament. He's only played here once, which is that really surprises me. Um, but he finished 55th on debut, so he got through the cut, and I think that was largely due to a good opening round. And he opened 67 and was inside the top 10, so kind of hung on after starting fast. But again, talking about the, the current iteration, like this should be a good track for for Benian. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a nice little pivot play this week. Yeah, I like I like the Benny and Hideki kind of pivot there. Um, I don't love the rest of this 7K range. I know you've probably got a couple of guys you want to talk about, but I don't love it. No one I love. I mean, I thought Keegan looked all right at 79. The lower ones, uh, Cam Davis could make some sense. I guess when he's in this price range, I'm fine with it. Like, I normally just moan about Davis when he's overpriced, but there's nothing about him that makes me think he's going to play well here. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, obviously, Strokes kind of probably led the field a couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but other than that, I'm kind of out. Happy with the 7Ks wrapped up there? Yeah. Six is where it gets interesting. Can Kitsiyama keep up a couple of solid rounds is the first question. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. You've been following closer than I have. I, I think he's been playing really well. I think this might be where it runs out. Um, doesn't necessarily strike me as a Kurt Kitsiyama golf course. I think it might be a little bit convoluted for him. So I'm going to go out on him on the preference of Emiliano Grillo. I, I, I think that we've talked about Grillo enough already. I think we were speaking about him at the end last year anyway, but like certainly in 2024, we we kind of go, well, he's been interesting, and then not played him. I'm ready to play him. Uh, 23rd, 10th, 80th, 4th in his four starts in strokes game approach, and he has been similarly decent in Caesar Green, 23rd, 77th, 11th. Uh, course form on the face of it is two missed cuts, the 21st and the 67th, but the 21st, he was 10th going into the final round of the third round, 65. And then last year, he obviously made the cut again where I don't think he was playing as well as he is now. And he opened with a 68. 
I think this is a really potentially a really good goal force for Grillo if he's figured it out over the last few years, and he's not finished outside the top 22 in the last four starts. Yeah, I I, uh, I like him a lot. I bet him first round leader. Um, I'm definitely playing him. He's my guy. I'm playing the most in this range. I was happy to see that um, while he's not completely unpopular, he's not really generating that much ownership. More people playing Kitayama, more playing Hostler. Um, so I think he's a great play, and he's probably my favorite play in the range. Kitayama and Hoagie, most popular guys down this range? Yeah, it looks like it. And um, I, I do I, like Hoagie a little bit. I love Hoagie. I, 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 I put him in. And the other one, I think I talked about this last week or maybe in the week before. I've gone full circle on Bezuiden now. You, you talked the other day about, uh, the other day earlier, it feels like it's such a long show already, earlier about going full circle on players um and people overvaluing like i think it was cam young was the example you used right like you said that people were so far in on him and then it seems to have gone the other way i think that's the same with bazin now i think people are so keen on playing him and then i always use the example of eric cole at the moment like the shiny new eric cole's come along that makes the cuts and looks like he get hot one week so people are just playing him and bazin house just slowly you know just quietly sitting there with like the third best irons in the field over the last few weeks. Second, seventh, and tenth in his three made cuts and approach. The only time he missed the cut was at Tory. T screen, 13th, 26th, and 19th. Not a long hitter by any means, so not a massive surprise. And crucially, even though he missed the cut in his debut and then finished 58th last year, I think those couple of goes around here prior to, you know, hitting some form now is really important. Yeah, he is. His form does look great. He's getting strokes in a Approach is oddly enough, he hasn't putted well. I don't know. Um, if well, he... interestingly, like if, if you go back through the years, Matt, like I had to kind of retrain myself of what I thought about Bezina. I just thought of him as this kind of short game merchant that gets by on around the greens and on the green stuff. And actually, when you look, when he's playing his best, he just he does just flash with his irons, and that just seems to be what he's doing now. Yeah, I, I think probably a good idea considering I think there's a lot of ownership um, circulating around a few guys here, and I don't think he's one of them really. So I think it. Makes sense. Yeah, I like him. Uh, do we have the Tiger Woods conversation? Is there a Tiger Woods conversation? Yeah, I think he I think he can play well this week. Um, I think it's tough to simulate what he'll experience out on the golf course and, you know, the real thing, which is tough. Um, but I don't see the ceiling to play him. I don't think there is a ceiling. But I do think I could see him finishing 30th if everything goes right. Yeah, I think he I think he can make the cut. And that's if you're looking at 6,500 players. Like, if you're just treating him like every other 6,500 player that you talk about every week, I think he can do that. Um, I don't think there's any winning upside. I don't think there's any even top 10 equity or anything like that. But I think playing for a couple of rounds with JT, which he, you know, makes sure he does every single time he plays here, um, is enough for him to get through the couple of rounds and just, you know, it, it might be that he gets to... Saturday or Sunday and completely falls off, but he might just get you through that cut line. Yeah, I think that's true. But the, the reason I'm not going to play him, I don't think, is because that's just not enough. In a 68-man field, you you need someone you think can do more than that. Did you know this is the fifth straight time at Riviera that JT and Tiger have been in the group, same group for the first two rounds? And the last time Tiger played Riviera without JT in his weekday group, his playing partners were Brent Guyberger and Jonathan Kay. And I'll be completely honest, I don't know who those two people are. So, he, yeah. He's kind of weird, isn't it, though? That's Doug Ferguson that tweeted the AP golf writer. But, yeah, like, I I, I think it's strange. Like, I, I, I strange. don't I don't like, this is unfair to say I don't like the relationship, but, like, it, it weirds me out a bit. It weirds I, me out a bit, too. Like, you really just can't play one round without him here? Yeah. Like, what does he do? Like, what what is it about being like? Does he just like needling him? Does he? But like, I think Tiger's always had his guys, but they've always been older guys, right? He's always been friends with the Mark Kalkovekias and people like that. Um, look, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone should not have the friends they want and things like that. And Tiger has earned the right to do whatever he wants at his own tournament and fine. But I just find it weird. It's almost like he doesn't play a tournament now without JT being in the pairing. Like, do you think they have slumber parties? <laughs> after the um a completely platonic way i feel like they just go home and like wrestle on the bed and have like pillow fights <laughs> is this where he got in trouble is this where he made the, the joke the tampon yeah yeah um 
whatever. I, I think it's a bit weird. Like it is weird. I, I do. The one thing I would do is I think the hype around like people believing Tiger Woods is just going to come back and win is definitely dying down to a point where I can kind of cope with it. I don't mind people being excited about him being in the field. That's a nice thing. It's a person that we love and things like that. Or people people love him. I don't know that that's a collective thing. But um, I think it's a good segue, Matt. Firstly, let, let, let's finish off the people in the 6K range that we do think have got some potential to talk about. I think at some point, and this is definitely more of a gut feeling than it is anything I can really substantiate, I think Lee Hodges is going to play better at some point than he has done. Um, I think he's going to find it. And he's played well here in a couple of starts, 39th and 18th. So I don't hate the idea of Lee Hodges um, potentially bouncing back a little bit. You're bringing up Charlie Hoffman here on the screen. <laughs> uh, Lee Hodges can go to hell, by the way. And if, <laughs> I just want to see what Hoffman's, what Hoffman's uh, has done here. Let's see, 71st in 2022. Oh, he was fourth was year in 2017. 2017. Gained 6.3 on approach. Yeah, I mean, I could see him kind of having a little resurgence and feeling feeling good for a little bit. I'm not completely sold that he just goes away. No, that's fine. I think I think that's okay. What about Matt Hughes? I, I just looked at him a couple of minutes ago. Um, he's not playing very well. Did, hasn't he just started bouncing back a little bit, though, Hughes? He did at RSM, I thought, but then I think... The last few events, he really hasn't done anything. Yeah, 71st at Pebbles, 64th. He was 10th after two rounds at Tory, which is probably what just caught my eye. Um, course form, nothing really to write home about. So I'm fine with, with just mentioning. Uh, oh, Glover's been horrific here. I was looking yeah, at him. Forget forget Glover. Like, he, he can fit in the same mold you just put Hodges in. Um, yeah, Taylor Moore, 6,500s, pretty cheap. Yeah, I, I played him. I bet him first round leader. I don't really know why. Actually, I, I I picked it. Then I went to like make my case, and I didn't really have much of a case. <laughs> so you're just like, oh, I like the guy. <laughs> I pick sometimes I pick on gut feels, and then I just have to go back and make the case af- afterwards, retroactively. And you struggled. And I struggled, but um, he did gain three points. Approach last week. Yeah, and he was what ninth here last year. Um, something like that. Let's have a look. He no, was not ninth last year. He was two years ago. He twenty first two years ago. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Missed the cup uh, last year. I, I think I think Moore is just a high upside player at a low price here. Is is the one thing I would say. Let Let's have the Tiger Woods conversation that I can't get my head around. That branding is. To, by the way, for anyone that is just purely here for for DraftKings picks, I think you can probably check out now. Like I've I've had my. DraftKings picks. This is very much me getting on my soapbox, Matt, and I'll keep it short. Um, terrible, terrible branding. Oh, it's so bad. It's so it bad. Is do athletes that leave Nike have to sign something to say they can't use a silhouette? I don't think you would have to not use a silhouette. I think obviously the TW symbol that they had, he couldn't use. But I don't see why Nike would own the rights to that silhouette. So, so in my head, like the rational thing is, you can't own a person's silhouette because it's it's them, it's their likeness. But there's a lot of Tiger Woods jumpers where he's doing the fist pump and it's coloured in, and like in the red, and that's the logo for a Nike jumper. So there might be that side to it. Um, he might just want to be completely creating his own identity. Mickelson's obviously got the Masters celebration as his logo. Maybe he just doesn't want to do that. Or my other theory is that he's just going to be the PJ Tour logo in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, that, that Those all make sense. I think the last one is probably the only one I'll accept. But, I mean, maybe the PJ Tour owns the owns the silhouette one because it happened in, you know, in, in their, well, not in the match. Well, the Masters was on it, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I, I realized that mid-sentence. Yeah. Um, but isn't that what Phil was kind of complaining about, that these guys don't have the rights to their own likeness? And Yeah. Because when you think about these players that create branding, like a lot of these guys create like things on the back of their hats and like I think Adam Scott had an AS and Zalatoris or whatever. It's never their logo, is it? Like the only person I can think of that, as a golfer that's done a logo is Phil. Yeah. And that one like didn't really t- catch on. Only because it's Phil, though. Like, people just don't like Phil. 
Yeah, it could be that. Like, it um, looks really good. Like, But all Tiger Woods had to do was make any, even if it wasn't the fist pump one, even if it was just any other celebration of, the, like, the 2019 Masters, whatever, of him just celebrating in a silhouette on a relatively decent made polo shirt or pair of shoes, it sells millions. Like, it outsells every kind of product. I agree. I mean, I, it's crazy to me. There, so, like you said, there has to be a reason. I, if there if there isn't a real reason, then it's just a huge, huge misstep. Um, and then the, even if it wasn't that, the one they made just absolutely sucks. Did did they? Are they just trying to be clever? Uh, too clever. I think it's like too like the explanation. I tweeted the. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. Like, what the hell does that even mean? I feel like they're, they're trying so hard to be like edgy and, and like but didn't he also say he likes playing in the sun likes playing during the day and likes playing in red i guess that's fucking preposterous this is a, yeah. this, every single round of golf he's ever fucking played that's he doesn't true. play in the fucking rain except twice a year just well, make it even if you made it to one word i could like i could i'm fine with that like sunday red all one word is fine probably just don't use it at all i'm not i never like in my brain I can associate Sunday Red with Tiger Woods. I don't want to fucking wear a thing that says Sunday Red on it. Like, as a brand name, I think it's fucking horrific. Like, even all in one, even with Sunday and Red being separated, but Sunday being a full word, think it's shit. Like, Greg Norman gets absolutely ripped for, like, Greg Norman clothing or whatever he calls it. I think it's just, like, shark or whatever. It's so much better than fucking Sunday Red. Yeah, oh, it's so much better. And the logo is even better. I mean, the logo is like terrible. The logo is so bad. It's this shark. I don't like the shark, how it's all the multicolors. But look, yeah, by the way, don't love the Greg Norman stuff. But what I'm saying is like, at least it Charlie Hoffman is wearing it. At least it makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. He's a shark. It's a shark. I mean, this tiger, it, he's a tiger. It looks like the Slazenger logo. Well, that's the thing. Like, people like, so really funny like over here you wouldn't get the reference but like sports direct over here is like the cheapest sports shop in it would be like a dick sporting goods but like an outlet version of dick sporting goods and they just sell like slazenger socks by the dozen in packs for like five pounds and that's where his fucking t-shirts belong they're terrible but it's the like honestly if i saw that logo in the shop and i didn't if i let's say i didn't see today's message and i just went tomorrow in a golf shop and saw Tiger Woods' clothing, I think someone had just ripped off Tiger Woods. I would too. Yeah, I, I thought... Uh, it reminded me of, like, uh, you might not get this reference, it's like the Shaq shoes. They're like the... The Walmart shoes. Yeah, like the Walmart yeah. shoes. Yeah. Like, so, not, not good. But at least the story behind the Shaq thing is, like, he was trying to save people money because someone digged him out for having expensive shoes. Whether I believe that or not, I don't know. But, like, that was the... At least there was an actual story that made sense. The, the Tiger Woods one makes just nothing, like nothing about it makes that there is 8.1 billion people on this earth and not one person goes, you know what, I'm going to split up sun and day. No one. No one. No. And how many people were in the room when they made that decision? Like, wouldn't one person be like, I don't know, guys. But, but that's the thing, like, someone's gone, great idea, guys. Fucking yeah. brilliant idea. Let's split up the word Sunday and to top it off, let's make the fucking tiger look like it's dead. So, and someone's gone, great idea. I love your thinking. And the, the sad thing is, there's probably 100 people who had to say, good idea. Yeah. And also, isn't every tailor-made guy generally wearing Adidas? Well, they uh, used to know, because no, no, a lot of night guys, when the Cubs went, they went to tailor-made. I think that's true. Like like Rory and Fleetwood and stuff went to tailor-made. But they were, it used to be kind of an Adidas tailor-made crossover, right? There was well, Sergio, DJ. Borokawa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't matter. I think it's just completely separate. You can't just... I, get, I just fucking don't get it. Like, Do you I, think other pros are going to wear it? No. Well, JT. I think... I, 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 here's my prediction. I think at the next major, we see Nelly Corda wearing it. Yeah. I get that. Chase Johnson. Chase Johnson, yeah. He might be wearing it. Be something like that, wouldn't it? Like, the, I just... For someone that's so brilliant at something to be just completely and this happens a lot right like players put out their own merchandise and it looks fucking terrible logos are shit i don't really get 
as someone that like sort of studies marketing, I don't understand how it gets so wrong. But like nothing is complicated. Like when you look at the creation of Nike, it's a swoosh because people are going fast. And Nike means like some sort of, I don't know, I can't remember the story, but it's like some sort of god or Pegasus or something like that, right? And then they sort of go, oh, well, it just looked good. It's like people like the sound of swoosh and so on. And then they've just got a silhouette of Jordan in the air and made a silhouette out of it and it sells $4 billion worth of merchandise a year. And then they just fucking do this. I don't get how you abandon. <laughs> I just don't get how you go from, actually, that was a really successful model. Fuck that. Because Nike isn't doing it. Nike's smart. TaylorMade clearly isn't. What's that? But I'm guessing Nike dumped him. Yeah, I mean. Do, do, do you think they dumped him because he wasn't, in the atmosphere, like it just wasn't around enough. Like I know Jordan hasn't played for fucking thirty years, but like he's always been relevant because basketball stuff. Or has he gone, guys? I've got a brilliant idea. I'm going to go and make my own venture. I'm out. In what in what capacity is it? I guess there could be an in, in between of mutually agreeing. But like, I think it is. It's not the funny answer, but I think it is mutually. I think they probably think he's not generating the money that they want him to at this point i think he thinks he could do more things separately i think it was just maybe they thought it was time to part ways like can any golfer generate the money that he probably demands and not like not from a a negative to tiger like i'm not saying he's putting outlandish demands on the table but like what they would have had to pay him just to keep renegotiating probably runs out of making sense exactly like the return on investment isn't it just gets smaller every year probably but uh, and then the final question about this, because I know you you obviously talked about this morning. Are people just going to be dumb enough to buy Exit Tiger? I think people probably will. Um, like I think people have to fucking take a stand and not buy this shit so that it doesn't happen again. I th- I don't I don't personally know any people who will buy it. <laughs> but it's not even like what what I, if I if I can get past the design, the logo, the fucking weird splitting up of the sunday brand if i could get past all of that the clothes aren't even nice the, no. the items of clothing are terrible so it's a shit logo on a shit brand on a shit bit of clothing there's nothing just, redeeming if someone sent you a bunch of it would you wear it i would do anything for a certain amount of money but no not you don't get any money you just get to no, get the clothes for free yeah like so let's say that a Sunday red rep came onto this podcast and explained the decision and said, look, Tom, before you make this case, stick this on, see what you think. I'd play around a golf in it. But yeah. I can't see me wearing it out in public, other than to say, look what I got for free. Like, yeah. But uh, no, I think I've probably said enough to suggest I shouldn't do that. Um, I just, there's not even the word tiger in it. Like, if people don't associate Sunday Red, which you most people do, right? Most people get it. I don't think anyone's going to go into a pro shop and go Sunday Red, Tiger Woods. Like the general public are not going to go Tiger Woods. People would recognise Footjoy, Puma, Adidas, whatever. Shark. Shark. I think more people would get a shark than they would Sunday Red. Oh, definitely. It. it- it almost is like it's I think it's pretty similar to the shark thing. Like, I think that's what it'll end up being. You'll get some people who like wear it, but it's probably going to end up being cheap because nobody wants it um, like the shark stuff. And then that's what I, I, it's going to be priced as well. Like, it's going to be expensive. That's what they people are saying. It's going to be expensive. So I, that's why I think people might not buy it. But are, what about those country club guys who are like, oh, I'm going to get this three hundred dollar Sunday red shirt to show how cool I am. Well, people are going to do it because Barstool are going to do it and then. Yeah, like it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, it it, it is awful. It, it's the worst. It's probably one of the worst bits of marketing I've ever seen. And I don't. A part of me, the cynic in me, Matt, wonders whether they've made it so fucking bad to get a response like this that people just talk about it, and then they just no. just create it. No, you think someone's actually proud of that design? I think somebody is. But the one the one thing that's to me is crazy. Like I'll tweet something, and even if I'm completely right, which I always am. <laughs> I'll get half the comments will be negative things. I tweeted about this design sucking and 98% is agreeing. I've not seen anyone say anything positive about it. No. There was like two or three out of out of hundreds of replies. What did they say? They said um 
you're you're a golf writer he's a real golfer uh it doesn't matter what you think it only matters what he thinks like blah blah, blah. i don't even i don't believe tiger Woods sits and goes this looks fucking awesome no i don't think so either but he goes well they've paid me x amount of money and fine whatever get on with it like i'm not on tv that much anymore anyway like it is probably the worst thing i've ever seen um yeah i don't get it i do i do not understand it at all um I, i think there has to be some sort of ban ban on the on the thing that he can't use the silhouette Oh, I thought you were going to say there needs to be some type of ban on... No, no, I, I do think there should be some sort of fucking ban on him doing it ever again. If he's been hands on this... on this, One thing I would say, I know we're extending this a little bit, Matt, so if you have to go, just cut me off at some point. He is the worst-dressed athlete in the entire world. Yeah, I, I like the Sunday red, no no pun intended. <laughs> you like the, But you like the Sunday red, not the Sunday red. Exactly. I, no, I do like his look at... Um, I think Spieth is the worst dressed. No, but I, I mean personal, off-the-course dress. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the golf stuff's fine. He had night clothing. Like, he wore some baggy trousers, but so did everyone. But if you look at him from, like, he'll go and put a suit on and some jeans, he looks fucking That's weird. Like, and this is the richest golfer in the world by a landslide. Like, should be able to just get, like, he wouldn't even need to dress himself. Someone else could just dress him. Yeah. And he doesn't look right. So it might be that he's hands on. He just has literally no grasp of what style is. I think that's a definite possibility, too. He is a little odd and kind of quirky off the course. That wouldn't surprise me at all. It's a shame because obviously we're talking about a legend here. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's other thoughts on on Tiger Woods in, in my the video mind. Was, the video was cool, though. I didn't watch it. You should watch so, it. It was pretty good. I was so fucking pissed. I refused yeah. to. <laughs> like I yeah. just like I'm not looking past the fact it's called Sunday Red. I didn't get past that. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It, it felt sucks. it felt good to get that point. I've been <laughs> I was walking to the train station this morning at like 7 a.m. reading the tweet that you'd put out when I'd obviously gone to sleep and trying to think of all the reasons why like make excuses for him. And then I just landed on the fact that actually he's just a bit of an idiot. Um, yeah, I, I really think he could use this um, the silhouette thing, but I don't know. But like, have you seen? Do you know that because obviously you talk about they've got their own TW logo and stuff like that that you think they, that you can't use. But you've seen the jumpers, right? That his silhouette just replaces the Nike tick. No, I didn't. Okay, so there has that's what I mean. There has been there has been sweatshirts like that that have just been. He's oh, been okay. in place of, of the tick because he, he had that one where it was his head cover, right? The, I don't know what they used to call it, um, but it was his head cover was the logo. Oh. And then they had some where it was actually just his person as the logo, I think. Um, I, I also, remember those. And there's also that really weird jump of this one here. Like if you look on the screen, they had this where, it, yeah. like, does that mean that you just can't use it for like just a bit of a non compete for a while? It could. I mean, I, I'm sure they probably put. They're smart. They probably put something in the clause. Um. Um. Thing. I I saw some people. Yeah, people are saying the uh, the head cover thing that people say want to use that as a logo, Frank or whatever. I don't like that either. It's way better than what he's got now. Um. Yeah. I I can't I can't comprehend how he just can't use it. I'm sure. I can't actually find the jumper that I was on about now or the sweatshirt that I was on about now that had him as the logo but there was if it makes you feel better we can just go with that yeah let's go with that it does make me feel better let's wrap yeah. it up you, you know i'm harboring on a point that's too long <laughs> Let, let's talk about our favorite but let's just summarize our favorite picks for the event so favorite 10k and above i'm gonna go rory i'm gonna go hovland 10k uh 9k and above uh jt i will also join you on jt 8k and above I will go with, I mean, high ones, I'm going to go Fina. Yeah. And then low Scott. I mean, uh, like everyone else, right? Yeah, I'll just go Scott and Clark. Um, 7.5 to 7.9 is the Zalas, Horace, Bradley, Poston, Hoygaard, Henley, Cole, Kim, and I guess you go, you're going Benny there? 
Yeah, I guess. I'm, I, I honestly won't play much of them because I'm going to go lower, and I think my builds won't really allow for that upper sevens. I don't see any reason to, to force it, so I'm just going to say Hideki at 7-4. That's really all I'm going to play. Yeah, I like Hideki, actually. That's probably the flag. And then your favorite guy is in the 6K range. I love Grillo like you. I, I do like Hoagie, um, and I will probably maybe play a little bit more. I love Grillo, Bazin, and Hoagie. Um, and I don't feel like there's any lineup I'm ever going to put together where I have to play Taylor Morley, Hodges, I've mentioned. So, all good. Yeah, I think Grillo is a good one. I think top 20 is pretty likely for him. Yeah, I'm probably going to look at him for first round leader and things I'm going to go in right now. Um, Matt, thanks for letting me, letting me whine about the Tiger Woods Browning. Um, thanks for joining me as ever and bringing up all the stats and the uh, it's good that you didn't have to correct me this week on stats because you just put them up on the screen, so I didn't make a fool of myself. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, that's that's good, and it's also good that I didn't, I wasn't in a rush today for the first time in forever. So the snow day was a little helpful for me. Yeah, stay safe, stay, keep keep safe in the storm. Uh, hopefully, no power outages. We got through an hour and five minutes without any outages for you. Um, always good to talk golf with you. Always good to talk life with you, Matt. Um, and we shall catch up in a week. Mm-hmm.